Today we hear about someone who's afflicted with the flow of blood, who suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors. <laughs> that sound familiar? Before I begin my homily, I'd like to explain a little bit about what happened. I keep getting people asking me, Father, how is it that a routine kidney surgery ends up you almost bleeding to death and in a hospital for a month and a half? The fact is, is that when I had my kidney stone surgery, I was bleeding a little bit more than usual. So I went into the hospital to, to have that checked out and almost immediately within the first day or two, the stent that they put in my kidney, right? So the kidney uh, had the, the stent, which is a little tube to help the kidney drain through the ureter into the bladder, right? That migrated and moved and actually plugged up and stopped the kidney. The pressure became so great that a hole was blown out my kidney. And that's what was causing the bleeding. Well, the problem is that they did many angiograms and they could not find the source of the bleeding. So they thought maybe it was a venous bleed or venous bleed, which usually clots. But this was clotting and not clotting and clotting and not clotting. And that's why I was losing so much blood in the hospital. And after I was released, because it clotted a little bit enough for me to go home, that's when I got the blood clots. Uh, in my leg, and that's why I had to go back. And it was only after I was there a couple more weeks did they actually do another angiogram and find the bleeding, and they were able to stop it. The flow of blood stopped, and within days, I wasn't bleeding anymore. So I'm just happy to be alive, and I'm happy to be here. It's just, I'm thankful for Jesus for stopping the flow of blood. Amen? Amen. So I'm very, very thankful. Today's gospel, Jesus healed the woman's flow of blood. What's notable is not so much that he healed her, but it's how her healing happened. It's how he healed her that's very important for us, and it's relevant for us for at least two reasons. The first reason is this. Only those who approach Jesus can know his healing and saving power. One of the things that I often preach about is asking this question, where do you go in your pain? Where do you go in your need? Where do you go when you need healing, when you need this flow of blood in your own life to stop? It's very easy for us to not go to Jesus, but to go to something else. So instead of saying to ourselves, if I just but touch Jesus' clothes, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I, I, I will be cured, we tend to think to ourselves, if I just have more comfort in my life, if I just get a better job, if I just have more money, if I get more sense pleasure, if I just get a better, more status in my job, I get more honor in my life. If I just have better cottages and vacations and maybe I get a different car, then that unhappiness in my life, that depression, that sadness, that hopelessness in my life is going to be cured. But we know that in the gospel, this woman was looking for healing for 12 years. She suffered at the hands of many doctors. She tried everything that the world could offer, and she could not find someone or something to stop the flow of blood in her life. And it was only when she came to Jesus with faith did she experience that healing she so desired. And this is why many of us know that it takes many people a long time to come to Jesus with faith. And yet there are many people in our lives, our friends and our families, who are living in a kind of a quiet desperation with their hearts bleeding, looking for peace, looking for, for satisfaction, looking for the deep freedom and meaning that the world cannot offer. 
And this is why sometimes it's not until people hit rock bottom before they actually turn to Jesus with faith. One of, I think one of the best testimonies of the power of Jesus is when people who have it all in this life, they have the job, they have the wife or the, or the husband, they have the kids, they have the house, they have the cottages, they have all of the things, they have a great retirement, they have all the things in this life. The great testimony of the power of Jesus is it's not until they come to know God, and they come to know Jesus, do they experience a fulfillment that those other things could not possibly, possibly bring. And I personally know many people who have come to that. They find Jesus and they come to him and that flow in their life stops. So that's point number one. Only those who approach Jesus can know his healing and saving power. Number two, it's possible to get really close to Jesus and even touch him and not know his divine power and not draw from him his divine life. This is really important because in the gospel, what happens is this woman approaches Jesus, right? She approaches him and touches his garment. And immediately, what does Jesus say? Who touched me? And his disciples are puzzled. Like, what are you talking about? There's a crowd around you. Like, and you say, who touched me? In other words, the implication is, is that he was in a crowd and many people were touching Jesus. They were looking to get close to him, right? But Jesus was looking for the woman that touched him in a way that no one else touched him that his people in the crowd were not touching him in the same way that she was. And because she touched him in a different way, power came out of him. He was looking for this woman. And what was different about the woman and everyone else in the crowd? She touched him with faith. It's interesting how the gospel breaks down what that faith looks like. It says first, she had heard of Jesus. Most likely that hearing of Jesus was not some superficial, well, here's one guy among many. He's a nice guy to listen to once in a while. Oh, this is a guy claiming to be the Messiah. Yeah, you know, whatever. Most likely she heard about this Jesus who changes people's lives. Hey, this guy's healing people. This guy's proclaiming the, um, the kingdom of God is here in power. He's delivering people from evil spirits. There's something about the authority with which he speaks. So she hears about Jesus and as a response, she expects something to happen when she meets him. This is really important when it comes to faith. She had this expectant faith that something was going to happen when she touched him. And then finally, the third aspect of it is that she does not remain passive. She doesn't just say, well, if Jesus really loves me, if this guy loves me, he's gonna come to me and heal me. He's gonna do all this stuff from afar. I'm just, all I have to do is just sit and wait. No, no, she went to the place where, she was going to, where he was going to be and she reached out. She took action because faith is not passive, it's active. The same dynamic is something that I see when it comes to healing services. People hear about God healing people. Recently, I heard, just last week, I heard a testimony of a woman that was healed of deafness. She was completely deaf and after she was healed, she was able to hear, of course, but when they did an examination of her ear, she had no, nothing in her ear, no bones, no biology to enable her to hear, but she was able to hear. Like a complete miracle. So people hear about those things, and what do they do? They say, if I go, I'm expecting Jesus to do something, that expectant faith, right? And then they take action. They, they choose to be prayed with. They choose to step out and take a risk. It's very powerful. In my experience as a priest, many of us as Catholics oftentimes act more like those in the crowd than we do the woman. 
We tend to want to get close to Jesus. And we maybe even touch him, but we, we don't open our hearts up in faith. We don't approach Jesus with faith. And we need to remember that something very important that I think sometimes it's very easy for us to forget because we live in the context of an unbelieving world, is that faith is not magic. It's not a function. I put in X and I get out Y. Right? It's not a formula. Right? It's not like I, I do this ritual, I go to this type of mass, or I do this kind of prayer, somehow I'm going to experience Jesus. Faith is inherently relational. Faith means, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are, and I am choosing to rely on you to be that in my life, to be that person in my life. So when we say we believe that Jesus is our king, Jesus, I believe you're my king, and I give you permission to reign in my life. You see, faith requires a certain amount of humility, a certain amount of surrender. This is one of the main reasons why I say over and over again, it's not merely an intellectual endeavor, it requires an act of faith. And when we really give that act of faith in a very personal way, that's when we begin to draw power from Jesus. It's important for us to remember, and it's something I say often, kind of one of my themes of my preaching, is that unbelief is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Unbelief is a self-fulfilling prophecy. When I approach Jesus from a posture of unbelief, I don't make acts of faith in him, I don't make acts of trust in him, I don't see his divine power flowing in my life, and I walk away bleeding. And if I don't see him working in my life, I don't make acts of faith in him. And if I don't make acts of faith in him, I won't see his power in my life so on and so forth. It's this downward spiral, which is, the, which is precisely one of the reasons why people have left the faith. And maybe there are people in your life who have left the faith, maybe they never knew Jesus in a personal way in the first place. And so it's important for us to approach the Lord with great humility and surrender so that his power can come alive in us. Just a few moments, every single one of us who is prepared to receive Holy Communion is going to be touching Jesus. He really is here. And some of you are ready to approach him like the woman in the gospel, to, to touch him with faith. And for the rest of us, perhaps to help prepare, I want you to acknowledge to yourself, where are you bleeding? Where is your flow of blood? Where do you have a need that the world cannot fulfill? and to come to Jesus from that place, and that when you receive him, to expect him to do something about it, expect him to speak, to be present, to, to give consolation, or to maybe even heal that place of your heart. But I beg you not to come as a spectator. Do not come to communion as a spectator. Do not come as one of the crowd. Do not come as one who wants to stay afar off and not really give Jesus the chance to reign in you. My brothers and sisters, as we come to, to come to Jesus, recognizing that all of us in one way or another are bleeding, as we come to him with faith, expectant faith, God can be God in our life. And that's where things begin to change. And I pray that maybe today or maybe at the end of your life, you hear from God himself, from Jesus himself, daughter or son, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction.